Welcome to Conversations with John and Lisa. And today we actually have Addison. We he's, do. He's our firstborn son. It's and nice he's, to be here. Yeah, yeah. He's joining us because we're going to be talking about All Things Killing Kryptonite, your newest book. Yeah. So this is not a book, in case you didn't hear last podcast, it's not a book about Superman. It's a book about the substance that neutralized his powers. And it's about destroying what steals your strength. The spiritual right. counterpart. It's the spiritual counterpart. Now, hey, Superman is fictional. Kryptonite is fictional, but spiritual kryptonite, it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here. Um, it, it, it's so important for today. And I, I don't know. I just want to ask you some questions. Anybody, anybody listening to this. Have you ever felt like you weren't reaching your potential? Have you ever felt like weak in an area? Have you ever felt like you weren't able to really help yes. somebody? I know. I fought the same thing. Sure. And so a good chance is that there is a kryptonite involved. Yeah, Addison, you were talking during the break yeah. about a great opportunity to platform what we wanted to sure. discuss on one of the kryptonites. Yeah, so a few years ago, I went to a digital marketing conference up in Denver, and there were four of us who went from Messenger. And it was one of those interesting events. Uh, there was a lot of introverts there, a lot of people that enjoy making money off people online without ever interacting with real people, That's a lot of scary. bloggers, yeah, those those types of people. In-app purchases. Yeah, exactly. And they hired a caricature artist because I guess they thought these introverts would like having caricatures made of them. And so three of us, we were like, yeah, let's do this. It'd be fun to see caricatures of ourselves. So we get in line. The fourth person was smart enough to uh, abstain from this. So we get in line and we get up there and (laughs) Alan goes first, uh, our creative director, and then I go next. And then Austin gets up there. Now, Austin is a beautiful man. He looks like a Roman statue. (laughs) Like a statue of David. He's got the chiseled features. He's got the curly hair. He's just, he's a, he's a perfect human specimen. He just is. Okay. It's getting, he it's was getting steamy. Right he would be steamy throwing right something at you. So yeah. Austin goes up there and the, the artist gets really excited, like a little school kid and starts like kind of moving around and stuff. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? And he, he gets to work on Austin. He keeps looking up and giggling and he's, he's making this picture of Austin and none of us can see it. Cause he's kind of holding it close to his chest. And then he gets done and he shows it to us and we're all like, oh my gosh, this looks terrible. He made Austin look like the Geico man, the caveman on the Geico commercials. No way. Oh my gosh. And we all just start laughing and Austin's looking at it like, like oh, is that wow. What I look like? Hey, Addison, is this, is this really what I look like? Anyway, the, what was interesting, though, is that the, the caricature had just enough semblance to what Austin looks like. Wow. I could tell it was a caricature. Could identify it. Of yeah. Austin, even though this artist had created something that was subhuman, right? It was whatever you want to call it, a caveman. It was not a human being. You could tell that it was a caricature of Austin. And when we don't embrace this amazing life that we have in Christ, the wow. power mm-hmm. of this life that we have in Christ, what happens is the world, they see us and are like, you know what? There's just enough of this Jesus Christ in you. Like, yeah. I can tell that there's an affiliation, there's an association, but you're making a mockery of his name. You're making a mockery of what Living he stands for. And we, and we basically, yeah, we, we live as Christ-like caricatures. Wow. You know, that reminds me, Addison, in Romans chapter one, it says that the, the people would not worship God as God. And of course, worship isn't just singing a slow song. Worship is obedience to God. That's why God said, I don't want to hear your songs. I want obedience, right? And, and, and it says in Romans one, especially in the New Living Translation, it brings it out beautifully. It says, as a result of this, their image of God is going to be distorted. Now they're going to, they're going to think of God as being, as being one way, 
and really he's another. Hmm. In other words, God's this way, but really he's that way. So we're in other, making in other a words, caricature of God. Well, yeah, but what it is a caricature of God, but what it ultimately is is they're making God in their own image. Yes, they're yes. saying I'm I'm above God. Like yes, God, thank you for making me, but now I'm going to return the favor. I'm going to remake you into my image, into my likeness, into something that I'm comfortable, correct, and familiar with, correct. And and what's fascinating is when we create a God that's modeled after our, our own image that God is incapable of making us anything more than we already are because it's yeah. less than it's less who than we us. are. Right, yeah. exactly. And, you know, there's a perfect picture of this in the Old Testament. You know, Israel comes out of Egypt, which is a type of being saved. Egypt's a type of the world, right? And um, Moses brings them to the mountain of God because Moses met God at that mountain. He he saw God in the bush that He burned. wanted them to experience it. He did. He was so excited. And so when God came down on the mountain, they all ran away. And so God says, oh my gosh, can you imagine when you were born, right? I'm so excited about seeing you here. God has, has waited 430 years to meet these kids of his. He said, the whole reason I brought you out of Egypt is because I wanted to bring you to me. Yeah. And so can you imagine if when your mother gave birth to you, I, I'm, I'm seeing you grow in her stomach and then all of a sudden you go out and you go, mom, I don't want to talk to him. You talk to dad, tell me whatever he says and I'll do it. Can you imagine the heartbreak of God? So sure. God says, I got to have a priesthood. So he says to Aaron and Moses, he says it in Exodus 19, Aaron, you come on up here with Moses. Aaron doesn't come up. Aaron ends up back with the people. Right. Moses is on the top of the mountain for 40 days. So the people come and they say, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. They said to Aaron, make us gods that will go before us. Well, the Greek word for, or excuse me, the Hebrew word for gods is Elohim. And Elohim is found 2,600 times in the Old Testament. Roughly 2,300 of those times, it's about God. It's God Almighty. Genesis 1 has 32 times Elohim appears. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth, right? But 300 times Elohim is used for a false god, Dagon and other false gods, Baal one time in the Old Testament. So they said, make us Elohim. So we don't know who they're talking about. They said, hey, Moses is gone. Make us Elohim that will so go before us. So you're saying it could, have, it could have been their god or it could have been a god from Egypt. or a could god have been from, anything. Okay. We really don't know right now. Right. So Aaron throws the gold in. He fashions the calf. And then they said, this is your Elohim, God, O Israel, who led you out of Egypt. Well, they know who led them out of Egypt. They saw the signs and wonders, right? But then the next statement that Aaron makes is unbelievable. Aaron looks right at that golden calf and calls him Yahweh. The self-existent one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yahweh is the most sacred word for God. It is never used in the Old Testament to describe a false god. It is so sacred, the Hebrews wouldn't even write the fowls up to, I think it was the 14th century. They would write just Y-H-W-H, right? So this is never used for a false god, but yet they say, there's God, there's Yahweh who delivered us out of Egypt. So they still acknowledge that God saved him. They still acknowledge that God healed him. They still acknowledge that God provided for him. But now they changed him into a Yahweh that would give them what they wanted. Now they started living in this lewd behavior while Moses is up in the mountain. Mm. And they're saying, God's okay with this because he's right here with us. He approves our behavior. Their behavior was so lewd that the Bible says it was to the amusement of the nations that were around them. The wow. nations were going, wow. and they're like, wow, these guys are wild animals. But yet they were ascribing their behavior as being okay with God, okay with Yahweh. So Paul comes along in the New Testament. He says to the Corinthian church, remember, there's a guy sleeping with his stepmother in the Corinthian church. They have divisions. They have favorite preachers. They're suing each other. And you know what Paul they're says? They're defiling their body at the, mm -hmm. at the temple. At the temple. At the temples, yeah, right. right, right. And Paul says, you happily, this is 2 Corinthians 11, three through five, you happily put up with whatever 
anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus, a caricature, say it for me. Caricature. Caricature. You could say a cartoon. Man, a cartoon Jesus. That's a fun word. So in other words, what, what I'm asking is the Jesus we are obeying, the Jesus we say who saves us, who has delivered us, who has healed us, is he the Jesus at the right hand of the Father, or is he a... Caricature. Caricature. I said it right, didn't I? You did, you got it. Okay, is he a caricature Jesus? Well, the caricature... Oh man, the knockoff Jesus, I'm going to say yeah, it that way. Let's use knockoff. Yeah. The knockoff Jesus doesn't have any power, but the real Jesus has power. Right. Did that golden calf have power? No power. Do you think God would have shown himself through that golden calf? Never. Absolutely they call it Yahweh though. Never. So they're having, the, you know what's interesting? It says they brought their offerings, they brought their mm-hmm. sacrifices, they did their church, mm-hmm. and then they rose up to play. They had a shape and form of church, and then they did what they wanted they to. They did what they wanted to. So here's the deal. The early church, the church in the book of Acts, is changing entire cities. The entire city of Samaria came to the Lord, of Lydda, of Sharon, and Joppa, but yet the Corinth church didn't affect. Historically, you can read it, because right. the Corinth church is 30 years later. They didn't affect the city of Corinth. So is it because of their knockoff Jesus? So the Corinthians were ineffective in changing their society. Are we effective in changing our world of influence? And okay, yes, this is a tough question. It may even seem negative, but you know, sometimes you can ask a negative question, what seems like a negative question, but get a result that's going to create life change in our world. Mm. And I think sometimes today, and I appreciate this, we want to be positive because I'm a very positive person. You are a very positive person. I am. But you know what? I'm not so positive that I'm willing to stay as I am because I don't see my life reflecting the early church. That's false positivity. That's not real positivity. Well, thank you. But if, if you're being disingenuous, that's not really being positive. Yeah, but but sometimes we almost want to be that way, right? And and I I just I want to see sick people healed. I want to see people getting saved in the masses like they were in the Book of Acts. I mean, can you mm-hmm. imagine walking down the streets of Jerusalem? They're laying sick people on the streets, not one street, streets. And, and the shadow of Peter passes by and they're healed. Well, we want to see the power of God not just relegated to the church. We want to see the church impacting culture. We want to see the church going out and truly Speak advancing God's kingdom in whatever sphere they're called to. And, and that's the whole idea here with the knockoff Jesus. When we serve a knockoff Jesus, what we're basically doing is unmaking ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're saying, wow, that's powerful. Yeah, we're saying, God... I, I thank you for this gift. I thank you for this amazing seed. I thank you that you have given me your DNA as a child of God. But you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to embrace the challenge. I'm not going to embrace the thrill of becoming something more. Because we get to partner with God. And this, this is what Paul describes in Philippians 2 and 1 Thessalonians 4, this idea of a symbiotic relationship with God's spirit to become fully alive human beings. And that affects every dynamic of our lives, our marriages, our relationship with our kids, how we succeed in our vocations. And it's not just about success or prosperity, whatever right. that may, may mean. It's about living in a way that brings God honor and glory. If you look at Paul's letters, Constantly, you will see him insert this idea of them making decisions to bring God glory. Why? Why? Because it's not just about us. 
It's not just about whether we make it to heaven one day or whatever. It's about reaching this world that is lost, that is dying, that is in need of life, that is in need of hope. And God has said, look, you are my church. You are my people. I'm giving you my spirit and I'm sending you to the ends of the world. And this kryptonite, what it does is it essentially remakes God into our own image and it steals our power and it makes us ineffective as a church and it steals the life that we all long for. We all long for this Zoe life. We all long for the John 10, 10 life that has been promised to us. But when we allow this kryptonite to undermine who God is creating us to be, then we end up settling for so much less. And it doesn't just affect us. It affects the people in our world, the people who've been entrusted to us. And God is all about people. That's what his kingdom is all about. So we can't just make this about ourselves and our personal piety. We have to realize that there are real people, there are real situations, there are real sectors in this world that need us to realize who we are in Christ and kill the kryptonite that is stealing our strength. So we end up being having the label of Christian, the label of being a Jesus follower, but we don't have the power. And the power being in our character, in the way we behave. Because the power only comes from God. That's not something we can fabricate. Right. And so Paul talks about that time that's coming when they will have a form of Christianity, godliness, but but they'll deny deny the power. power. And so we're living in that day. Let's not deny the power. Let's not embrace kryptonite. Let's expose it and destroy it. And let's discover what keeps us from enjoying and living in that power. And that's what this book is all about. It is a journey. It It is. is, It's a process. I wish I could say it's formulaic and you do ABC (laughs) and you're there, but it is a process of discovery. And it is a process of dying to yourself to experience the only life worth living. Everything else is a caricature or a semblance of life. You know, a lot of people say to me, hey, what's it, you know, tell me the, tell me the book. And I'm like, there's 28 chapters. There's a book there. And it's, there's a reason there's a solid book there. It's because there's a lot to say. And I think about the Bible. I think the Bible is so thick, right? And it takes me a year to get through it, right? Sometimes longer. And, but yet God has a lot to say about this life. Yeah. And so it's not a... Because he cares about this life. Right. It's not just, hey, be weak and get through it. And one day you're going to go to heaven. Everything's going to be great. He wants us to experience life in the present. Does not godliness have the pro- have a promise for the present and the future? That's Does right. it not? The life that now is and the one that's to come. Well, wow. this has been an incredibly rich conversation. I, I am so ready to get my hands on this. This just sounds like, you know, it's it's not just the power as in the healing power, but it is about the transformative power Correct. of an individual who is going to be the transformative collective body. You know, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on this book, which I, I'm sure like you, you know, like me, you really want to get a hold of that and some free bonus materials. We're going to ask you to go to killingkryptonite.com. We want you to check it out. And also we have a new podcast called The Messenger Podcast. It releases every other Tuesday. You can subscribe to that podcast and this podcast on iTunes. Thanks for joining us today. It's been great, guys. Lots of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I love the conversation. Thanks for listening to Conversations with John and Lisa. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. For more information on John's new book and study, please visit killingkryptonite.com. Until next time.